This is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, building futures close to home at campuses in Morgantown, Kaiser, and Beckley. Information at wvu.edu. Embassy Suites by Hilton Charleston, an all-suite hotel and conference center minutes from Yeager Airport and Capital Market. Reservations and brasserie dining information available at hilton.com. Segra, providing fiber-based communication solutions. Segra, freedom to grow. More information at segra.com. Welcome back to the Legislature Today. I'm Randy Yoey. Bob Brunner is away this week. Governor Jim Justice signed Senate Bill 10, the Campus Self-Defense Act, into law today. The new law authorizes the carrying of concealed pistols or revolvers under certain circumstances and in certain areas on the grounds of an institution of higher education. Proponents say this law strengthens Second Amendment protections in West Virginia, but SB 10 comes with many questions about implementation and concerns about the limitations on the new self-defense safeguards coming into place. I went to the Capitol this morning to get an on-the-ground look at the story. The most pro-gun governor West Virginia has seen in a very long time. National Rifle Association State Legislative Action Director Art Tom was the bill signing host, and West Virginia Citizens Defense League members packed the room. The governor told them he hoped this would not be the only answer to helping curb the campus shooting crisis. But absolutely, without any question, when that situation happens, you know, if we have gun completely free areas, to where absolutely, without any question, there's no way we can defend ourselves, then it seems like those are the targets that are, are targeted many, many, many times. Two of the 88 Republicans in the House voted against Senate Bill 10, Speaker Roger Hanshaw and Delegate Erica Storch, a Republican from Ohio County. Storch said she made her decision by listening to her constituents and her family. I have a 25, 23, and 17 year old, and um, like I said, it with outreach from, from my constituents, nobody really thought it was going to do anything to advance the state. You know, I don't think people are looking at West Virginia for their higher education opportunities on the basis of if, if they can bring guns, if they can't bring guns. It just seemed unnecessary, and we're just, um, I don't want to say necessarily catering to the gun lobby, but just. That was another issue that they wanted to get across the finish line. Following the signing, West Virginia University President Gordon Gee, one of many state campus leaders opposed to campus carry, said in a release he will create a new campus safety group, which will make recommendations relating to overall campus safety. Delegate Sean Hornbuckle, Democrat from Cabell County, says there will be a need to increase monitoring and counseling on campuses, given concerns over mounting student mental health and suicide issues. Uh, they're going to have to figure out ways and get resources, which they might have to come to us for, for mental health. 
uh, making sure that we are protecting each and every student and we're addressing things before they ever get to a tragic standpoint. Testimony both in committee and on the House floor has said that implementing SB 10 will cost West Virginia University maybe $300,000 and maybe even more for the smaller colleges and universities in the state that don't have that kind of built-in infrastructure. You know, we're not increasing their budget line items to give them any more monies to deal with, to keep out of the safe places that where guns aren't permitted, to come up with the uh, devices for them to secure them in their dorm rooms. Just before his bill signing, the governor said the Campus Self-Defense Act evens a deadly playing field. Does anybody here not think that has a brain in your head that just because we absolutely don't have this campus carry, that people can't bring guns on our campuses. I mean, for crying out loud, you know, the doors are wide open. This is just, just saying the law-abiding people have a right to be able to carry if they choose to do so. West Virginia now joins 11 states in allowing campus carry. The law goes into effect July 1st, 2024. A bill to forbid government limitations on the exercise of religion now only needs Governor Jim Justice's signature to become law after Senate action late Tuesday. House Bill 3042, also known as the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, drew fierce opposition during a public hearing last week and was only passed by the House of Delegates Monday morning. The bill passed the Senate 30 to 3 on party lines after the chamber suspended constitutional rules to advance it. Right out of the gate this morning, the House of Delegates got into a heated debate over a bill that would essentially block the State Board of Investments from investing in companies that refuse to support fossil fuels. House Bill 2862 would ensure that all shareholder votes by or on behalf of the West Virginia Investment Management Board and the Board of Treasury Investments are cast according to the interest of the investment beneficiaries. Now, delegates, including Democrat Evan Hansen from Montegalia County, argued against the bill, saying its real intent was to keep companies interested in ESG investments, which means environmental, social, and corporate considerations from locating to West Virginia. Again, these are green manufacturing jobs. We, we came into special session and passed that microgrid bill that allows precision cast parts in Berkshire Hathaway to come to the state of West Virginia. Precision cast parts is producing zero carbon parts for our aerospace industry. These are the jobs of the future. This is not some agenda to attack our coal industry. These are our future jobs. Some Republicans joined Democrats in voting against the bill, including House Energy Chair Delegate Bill Anderson of Wood County, whose concern was more about the, how the restrictions placed on the investment boards could impact pensions. This debate has resulted in ESG. I, quite frankly, want the Investment Management Board to have the flexibility they need to return the greatest amount of return to this state. Part of it is personal. I don't want to have to raise taxes someday to meet these pension obligations which we, by various court rulings, must meet. I want the Investment Management Board to have the flexibility to manage and deliver the greatest return for the benefit of the pensioners of this state, for the benefit of the state of West Virginia. 
Despite objections from both sides of the aisle and a nearly hour-long debate, the bill passed 73 to 23 and now heads to the Senate for consideration. A bill establishing stricter statewide marriage consent laws passed the House earlier today. House Bill 3018 would establish 18 years old as the age of consent in the state and remove the ability for minors to obtain consent to marry through their parents or legal guardians. Current law allows 16-year-olds to get married with parental consent and judges can sign waivers to allow marriages for those 15 and under. Delegate Moore Capito, a Republican from Kanawha County, explained the bill on the House floor. It does not affect any uh, legal marriage that is in place in this state uh, existing as of now. It would also not alter a uh, marriage of somebody of a different age that was legally entered into in a state where that was legal. Delegate Keith Marple, a Republican from Harrison County, opposes the bill. He claims not all family situations are the same. He said changing the age of consent will cause more hardship for minors who can still get married out of state if they wish to do so. Now, if you have consenting parents who agree that these children under 18 should get married and they're going to help them and they're going to be loving, and if the issue is pregnancy, you're going to have two sets of grandparents who are going to look after these children and help. The bill passed the House 84 to 13 with three members absent. It's now on its way to the Senate. A bill lawmakers are calling the Woman's Right to Know Act passed the Senate today. Emily Rice has this story. Amid a flurry of lawmaking on crossover day, the West Virginia Senate passed a bill to provide women with information and support to provide informed consent for abortions. Senator Mike Maroney, a Republican from Marshall County, explained Senate Bill 552 on the Senate floor. Female seeking abortion of a non-viable embryo or fetus the bill provides information that is made available. The bill also provides a 24-hour telephone number that shall be established by DHHR to maximize public awareness of its existence, which may be called to obtain a list and description of agencies in the locality of the caller of the services that are offered. The bill faced some debate from Senator Mike Caputo, a Democrat from Marion County, who questioned the logistics of the bill and its validity given GenBioPro, a manufacturer of generic mifeprestone, commonly known as an abortion pill, is suing in federal court to invalidate West Virginia's medication abortion ban. Concerned that this could set a legal precedent for us not prescribing other FDA-approved medicines. I mean, we're, we're, we're saying that this can't be prescribed in West Virginia, correct? No, that's, that's not accurate. Okay. The, okay. Uh, it's, it can be. It's, no one's doing it currently. It's, it's a, you need a special license to prescribe. You're talking about the mifepristone? Yes. Yeah, you need a special license to prescribe it. And no one's doing that now? No, no one's doing that in okay. West Virginia. And, and what about the pending court cases? Will this have any effect on those, or have you had that discussion? Uh, briefly came up, but I'm not, I'm not very expert on the legal stuff. Let me ask my lawyer here. We don't really have a comment on the competitive okay. court case. Like, okay. I, you know, yeah, I, I just know they're out there. I didn't know if that come up in committee discussion. Or well, I, do, I do believe, uh, although uh, I do believe this was constructed in a way to try to not affect any impending or any pending litigation. 
After debate on the bill, Senator Patricia Rucker, a Republican from Jefferson County, stood and spoke in support of Senate Bill 552. It's been our law in West Virginia. This right to know has been law. This hotline, this website, the information on the website has all been already enacted before and we're just reenacting it. So I just want to make certain that all members know and feel good about voting for this because all it is is helping women, supporting women in this very difficult decision. Senate Bill 552 passed the Senate for the House's consideration with 31 voting yay, two nays, and one absent. Reporting for the legislature today, I'm Emily Rice. With the crossover day deadline looming tonight, the Senate maintained pace by passing 14 bills on topics ranging from criminal penalties to student safety and farms. Chris Schultz has that story. Senate Bill 581 would amend the 2023 Farm Bill. Senator Ryan Weld, a Republican from Brook County, presented an amendment on the floor to create restrictions on foreign ownership of farmland in the state. The intent of this amendment is to restrict um, the ownership of agricultural land here in this state by citizens of a foreign nation as well as foreign uh, businesses and governments. Senator Robert Plymel, a Democrat from Wayne County, expressed concern that the restriction would block companies from bringing business and technology to the state. But Weld clarified that the amendment allows foreign companies to purchase agricultural land and convert it to industrial use. The bill was ultimately deferred until later in the Senate's proceedings for the day. Senate Bill 738 also relates to agriculture and would create the Right to Repair Act to give independent repair providers and owners of farm and other equipment access to information, parts, and tools required for maintaining or repairing equipment. In recent years, farmers and consumer advocacy groups have raised concerns about repair limitations imposed by companies on their products including software locks and requirements to use official dealers for repairs. The bill passed on a 23 to 10 vote, with one senator absent and now goes to the House of Delegates for its consideration. The Senate adjourned and planned to reconvene at 4.30 this evening. For the legislature today, I'm Chris Schultz. A bill to exempt critical and rare earth minerals from severance taxes moved out of the Senate Economic Development Committee. The House approved House Bill 3012 last month by a vote of 91 to 7. The legislation aims to encourage the production of battery-making minerals in West Virginia, in some cases from acid mine drainage. The bill now goes to the Finance Committee. The West Virginia legislature has been looking at cutting personal income taxes alongside cuts to inventory taxes for state businesses for quite some time. On Saturday, the Senate passed a bill to cut a number of taxes based on a compromise agreement with Governor Justice. Now it's up to the House to finalize the proposal. This also has budget issues. To get a better idea of where things stand, Chris Schultz is speaking with the chairman of the two finance committees, Senator Eric Tarr from Putnam County and Delegate Vernon Chris from Wood County. Thank you, Randy. Um, unfortunately, we had a bit of a hiccup uh, with our guests, and we're now joined by Delegates Kayla Young and Delegate Evan Hansen. Thank you both so much for joining us last minute. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, yeah we're before, happy to. Before we rolled uh, on cameras, we were just discussing the fact that it's, it's crossover day. I mean, these are the last days of, of the session. And things are getting a little bit crazy. So, um, I mean, we're getting to that point. As I mentioned, today's crossover day. It means that for our viewers, uh, if a bill has not left its uh, chamber of origin, it's functionally uh, non-operational. It can't move on from there. 
And uh, Delegate Young, you've been working on this bill uh, with regards to child marriages. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell me briefly what that bill is, is aiming to do? Yeah, so House Bill 3018 passed the House today. Um, uh, I think there were 13 no votes, 84 yeses. What it does is it sets the age of consent for marriage at 18. Right now in West Virginia, there's no floor for the age of marriage. Um, so from 16 to 18 was parental consent, and below that it was judicial consent, and that was happening across the state. Um, I think that marriage should be between adults because children can't find contracts, they can't open bank accounts, they can't do anything by themselves. So we wanted to make sure the age of marriage was 18 because there's a lot of human trafficking concerns. And so I, uh, this is a little bit procedural, but I am a little bit curious. Uh, I understand that that bill went from the active calendar to inactive calendar. Mm -hmm. Where does it stand now? It's, it passed the House today. Oh, so okay. it, sta uh, it has been reported to the Senate, and I've been working with the Senate. Um, there's a Senate companion that's um, lead sponsored by Senator Trump in the Judiciary Committee, so hopefully the Judiciary Committee will take the bill up. I'm telling you folks, there's a lot of stuff going on these days and, and no one person can, uh, can really track it down. So thank you, mm -hmm. uh, Delegate Young, for walking us through that. Another thing that we were talking about before uh, the cameras started up here was carbon sequestration. It's been laid over a couple of days here in the Senate, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's being discussed uh, this evening. So, uh, Delegate Hanson, what can you tell me just briefly about uh, what that bill intends to do? Well, there was a House bill that made it through the House Energy Committee several weeks ago, and it would have done several things to slow down uh, forest sequestration agreements that many, many individuals and businesses have in West Virginia to have a second revenue stream to help them maybe keep their farm or keep their small woodlot. Um, it includes a, a large tax on carbon sequestration agreements and some other restrictions. That didn't pass the House, so what the Senate did is they originated a bill in the Rules Committee, which almost never happens, um, and they're working on it probably as we're taping this right now, and it looks like it's gonna be a 60-day moratorium on entering into forest carbon agreements in the state of West Virginia. So as you understand it, why is that moratorium a necessity? I mean, is it, you know, what, what, what's gonna happen in those 60 days? It seems like a, I mean, we're sitting here in the 60 day session, <laughs> we know that a lot can happen, but it seems like such a short time to conduct a study or, you know, uh, do other necessary, uh, you know, information finding. I don't know, it's not my bill. <laughs> fair enough. Fair <laughs> I assume enough. that some people think we'll be back in a special session and actually pass something. Uh, but I, I think that's not a good path for the state of West Virginia. These are contracts entered into by private parties. Nobody's forced to enter into a forest carbon agreement. And whether you're a small landowner, a farmer, or a large timber company, you own your land and you can do what you want with your land. And if you want a second income stream that's related to the forest carbon on your land and you could diversify your income stream and in such a way, I feel like that's your right, and we shouldn't intervene in that. Well, it'll certainly be interesting to see where that uh, comes out of the Senate uh, this evening. Um, I am curious, you know, I, I don't want to pass up this opportunity. At the beginning of the session, we asked uh, the minority leadership on both sides of the um, legislature, you know, what they hope to accomplish and, and what was possible with so few members. Um, and I'm just curious with a little bit of hindsight now available to you both, Delegate Young, I'll start with you. Do you feel that uh, your uh, coalition has been successful in achieving what it's hoped to achieve this year so far? Um, I mean, I think we come in with not a ton of expectations and 
mostly we're here to play defense at this point. We have not a lot of members. Evan and I have both been here for several years now, and so we kind of know what we're doing. But also, we don't have a massive agenda of things that we hope to pass. We have things that we'd like to pass, and some of those are moving, whether they are moving with our names on them or without. But I mean, we're just trying to do what we can for the people of West Virginia to make sure that they have money in their pockets. We don't know if we're going to actually see a tax any sort of tax relief to people that's been promised for years despite this over a billion dollar surplus these days. We're trying to figure out what to do with ARPA money. Um, on those fronts, we haven't been successful, but it's a shame that those aren't priorities for everybody. Delegate Hanson, same question. I mean, how are you feeling about this session so far? I agree with what Delegate Young said. I think the, the bill that we talked about a few minutes ago to change the age of, of marriage to 18 is a good example of one that, that Delegate Young and others worked really hard to get bipartisan support on, and it's moving. And another example of that is the PFAS Protection Act. This is a bill that's gonna help us protect our drinking water because forever chemicals, which are very toxic, have been discovered in the raw water supply of about half the drinking water sources across the state. And the House bill that I'm co-sponsor of, um, it's, it's sponsored by a Republican, it's co-sponsored by um, 10 Republicans, and it passed the House with more than 80 votes. And it, it's scheduled to be taken up in its Senate committee tomorrow morning. So let's take this opportunity. Tell me a little bit about exactly how this bill would address uh, PFAs, PFAS, forever chemicals, whatever you want to call them. Well, like I said, we, a study was done of all the public water systems across the state, and it found unhealthy levels in the rivers and streams and groundwater for about half those systems. So what it does is for the systems that we've discovered the highest concentrations of these PFAS chemicals, it requires the Department of Environmental Protection to come up with a plan to identify where the pollution is coming from and how to address it. The goal being to hold the polluters accountable or to maybe figure out if there's public funding that's available to address that pollution so that the responsibility doesn't fall on the public water systems and on the ratepayers. Well, it certainly sounds very important, especially with the, the train derailment and the pollution that we've been seeing in the past month uh, just to the north of us in Ohio. Um, Delegate Young, I want to go back to something that you said just a moment ago, uh, playing defense. Uh, we've seen both of you, as well as the rest of your coalition, on the House floor uh, arguing and debating uh, quite passionately against a lot of bills. Mm -hmm. uh, Senate Bill 10 just passed. Uh, it was earlier this week, correct? It's all kind of blurring together, right? Um, I mean, how do you feel about uh, those types of bills? You know, I think that uh, might be playing towards uh, the Republican base, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I mean, I think those bills are a waste of time, and I also think they're not doing anything to move our state forward. Uh, my caucus and a lot of members of the other party are here for economic development. We're here to make jobs. We're here to raise wages. We're here to make families whole. And red meat bills aren't doing any of that. They just aren't. Delegate Hansen, your thoughts? I agree. They just divide us, and they provide fodder for campaigns and, and for postcards. Um, but we still feel the need to speak out on those bills, even if we don't have the votes, so that people who are paying attention can see what's actually going on down here. Now, Delegate Hanson, you were just talking about uh, a couple of bills that you're proud of that you hope to see pass. I think you mentioned one or two that already passed. Uh, Delegate Young, is there anything that you're, in the last couple of minutes that we have here, 
uh, proud of, of that you've achieved already during this session? Um, yeah, we've helped with some licensing reform for social workers for issues that happened during the pandemic. Um, we've helped with some food service uh, reciprocity for a lot of small business owners. Um, we are working on a recyclers bill that just came out of my government organization committee today. It's a Senate bill, uh, a right to repair bill for agriculture. Um, despite what a lot of people see in the news, they see us fighting big time, but there is a lot of stuff that we do work on bipartisan and get across the finish line that does really help people. Yeah, I just saw that right to repair bill yeah. in the Senate today. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a little contentious, but it ultimately passed. Yeah. Um, well, that is all the time we have today. I want to thank you both uh, for coming on to the show last minute. And uh, we certainly hope to bring you more about uh, taxes, as Randy had told you, with uh, the guests that we had perhaps on another day. Uh, once again, thank you both for being on the show. Randy, back to you. Thanks for that, Chris. Tune in to the legislature today, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. We'll have more news and interviews from the 2023 legislative session. And remember, West Virginia Public Broadcasting is covering the session daily on our radio news program, West Virginia Morning, and on our news site at wvpublic.org. We also broadcast the daily floor sessions of both the House and the Senate on the West Virginia channel, and we stream those on YouTube as well. I'm Randy Yoey. Thanks for joining us. Have a great evening. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, building futures close to home at campuses in Morgantown, Kaiser, and Beckley. Information at wvu.edu. Embassy Suites by Hilton Charleston, an all-suite hotel and conference center minutes from Yeager Airport and Capital Market. Reservations and brasserie dining information available at hilton.com. Segra, providing fiber-based communication solutions. Segra, freedom to grow. More information at segra.com.